we thank you so much for your word. We ask you, please, that you would seal your word in our bones, God, that at recall, like, like, a, uh, like a virus that attacks the body, when a virus attacks our spirit, your word would remember and your word would come out and defeat that virus, that enemy. God, please, may we learn from your word wisdom and understanding. May we gain knowledge and apply it to our lives. God, may we see, and I, as we sang, may we be in awe of your word because your word is so doggone true. It's just so true. Pour your word over us, God. We pour ourselves into your word. Please now pour your word into us. In the name of the Lord Jesus, amen. Chapter 27 is one of my favorite chapters of the book of Proverbs because so much of it applies to me. I think if there was a... Um, so many of the other Proverbs that we've read apply to like these passive, aggressive people. But chapter 27 of the book of Proverbs is really, for me, it's like the, it's the type A personality proverb. It's like you've been waiting all this time. Okay, I've got a bunch of stuff for you. Get a pen, get a notebook, write it down. You need to know this. this is, that's how I feel when I read this, um, when I read this proverb. Verse 1. Do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring forth. I mean, that's a pretty simple one to understand. You don't know what a day is going to bring. There's an old Chinese proverb that says, what does not happen in a year happens in a moment. It's a, it's a correlating, uh, confirming thing. Do not boast about tomorrow. So, boasting is a no-no. Let another man praise you and not your own mouth, a stranger and not your own lips. Verse 2. Those that find themselves in... There's like something you got to address here at the beginning of this proverb. Probably every proverb, but this more than anything else. Do you guys know what brokenness is? Some people have a brokenness. Now, there's two ways of defining brokenness. One of the brokenness is when you're broken for God when you realize your brokenness and you just rely on God, when, when you're so, you've painted yourself into the proverbial corner of life and you're sure God doesn't want anything to do with you anymore because you've shunned him, you've walked away from him, you've turned your back on him for so many years in so many ways, he's been so good to you, and then all of a sudden you paint yourself into that corner and you're looking at a sickness, and illness, you're looking at a, a loneliness, you're looking at a, a, a court case, a, a financial brokenness, something. And you turn to God, and there he is with open arms. And you, you remember, you remember that story in the Bible about the woman that broke the alabaster jar and anointed him with oil. It's, it's that brokenness. That's not this. That brokenness is special and sweet. There's a brokenness that isn't special and sweet. There's a brokenness that's, that kind of sucks. Everybody grew up in a home that had their issues. If you take a house that has a mom and a dad in it, you're starting 100% ahead of the game. You have now saved your kids the chance of going to prison by like 600%. Let me reiterate that. There is a 600% more chance of one of the siblings, of one of the children, going to prison if you grow up in a house with just one parent. The drug abuse, um, sexual promiscuity, 
alcohol abuse, gambling, those people who grew up in a one-parent home are so much more likely to stumble and struggle with those things that as a parent, you have to ask yourself, you know, what has he done? What has she done? Because if I really make this move, I'm, my, my kids are going to pay for it. No doubt about it. How much? That's the question. Now, that's not to say we shouldn't, and we're going to cover that in the next couple of weeks on, on um, Sunday. And not this coming Sunday, but the following two Sundays, we're going to be looking all about marriage as 1 Peter chapter 3 comes into our periphery. But the brokenness I'm talking about, if I told you my testimony and I tell you about my parents, I grew up on the streets of New York, I grew up in a, in a small uh, neighborhood and Friends always dying and friends always going to prison for a very young age. You, you, you learned the experience of the street. You learned how to be street smart. You learned how to be street hard. And like so many of you, I have my brokenness. One of my main areas of brokenness that I don't mind sharing with you guys is I'm a runner. I learned at a very early age, in my early teens, that my my personality was always fight or flight. Well, the choice that I made was to stand and fight. So I did. And I stand and fought. I stand and fought against my parents. I stand and fought against my brothers. I stand and fought against my teacher. I stand and fought in clubs, in street fights, in school. It, it just stand and fight. That's what it was. But I learned something that standing and fighting, it, it came with a cost. So I, I learned a, a, a different lesson in my later teens. You know what it was? Run. Things got hard. Things got tough. Out. Goodbye. Out. Just walked away. Just walked away. You wind up being, not only do you lean into the, the part of your life that's more cowardly in nature, but you also learn how to show people that you don't care about them. You're not worth me standing and fighting. When I was dating my wife, when we were just dating, it didn't matter where we were. If we got into an argument and it got a little more than I wanted, I would, and she would tell you, on more than one occasion, I'd pull the car over, put it in park, and go, bye. And sometimes she'd see me in, in a day or so, and sometimes she wouldn't see me. And that's just what I did. That's what's called brokenness. Some of you all have your brokenness. I'm not going to share you my other areas of brokenness. They're existing. One of the worst areas in brokenness is when you come from a family where they put you down, where your name was Idiot. That was your father's nickname for you. Idiot. Hey, idiot. Moron. Stunads. And you grow up in that type of household, and your brokenness you, you grow up without confidence. And growing up then in every level from teen to early 20s into 20s, now all of a sudden you have no idea what it is to be encouraged. So the way you pacify, the way you patronize, the way you pull yourself out of that is by bragging. You know where I've been, you know what I've done, you know what I have, you know what I have, me, 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 me. Have you ever met somebody who's so braggadocious you don't even want to talk to them? It's like, oh my goodness, yes, you're great. I've when you're mindful 
of your own brokenness, you will take this verse and say, let another man praise you and not your own mouth, a stranger and not your own lips. But you will also be mindful of other people's, bro people's brokenness. When they start bragging to you about where they've been and what they've done and how great they are, even if they're just BS artists or whatnot, you'll tend to sit back and let them, a listening ear. I love the saying, God gave you two ears and one mouth. It's the greatest gift in the world. It's just to listen to somebody and let their brokenness float over you. Recognize their brokenness and help them to overcome it. When you have a, in a marriage situation and, and you have two people who have a brokenness, and you have one person that's insecure with another person that's insecure. Ooh, you know what I mean? And, the, and that, that insecurity that doesn't mesh together and, or one person is a runner and one person's a stand-in fighter or two people are stand-in fighters. Woo. And you gotta learn, you gotta grow. Now make no mistake about it, and I, I, I know because in this crowd and, and I know some testimonies, there are very, very good reasons and very, very important reasons to separate and divorce. The Bible gives us those reasons. Don't think that you're, the Bible says clearly that God has not called us to war, but to peace. If your husband or your wife has done something deserving of divorce and you've sought good counsel and you're keeping yourself and your kids safe, the blood is on their hands, not yours. Don't think I have to stick around here for my kids. But again, we will detail it up from a biblical perspective over the next few weeks on, a, uh, on, a, um, on Sundays. Keep that brokenness thought in mind as we continue because so much of tonight's Proverbs addresses brokenness. A stone is heavy and sand is weighty, but a fool's wrath is heavier than both of them. The same way you're, you will deal with other people's brokenness, be careful when you go to battle, go to business, go to relationship with a fool. If you don't know what a fool is, all you gotta do is read chapter 26. Remember if you were here, a couple weeks ago, we talked about all the things that a fool possesses, the, the qualities that's easy to pick out. He says, and I, I love the way he says, he says, you know, stone, a big rock, it's really heavy. Have you ever tried to move a wet bag of sand? Yeah, yeah, I know exactly what you mean. Sand is really heavy. A fool's wrath is heavier than both of them. Now, the application for me, I want you to see how I applied this in my life just recently. Sometimes the battle isn't worth the effort. We'll get somebody that'll call us up and they'll go, hey, you sold us an animal and it died. Well, wait, wait a second. Um, number one, you waived your live arrival guarantee. We told you it was too cold to ship. We told you it was too hot to ship. You said, I don't care. Plus, we have a 24-hour live arrival guarantee. You got the animal three months ago. <laughs> oh, really? Well, let me tell you what I'll do. I will go on the internet. I have 3,000 followers. I have, I will run your net. I will, you will get a one-star review. Mike makes right, right? Right makes might? No. A fool's wrath is heavier than sand and a stone. Hey, you know what? I see what you're saying. 
you know what, maybe we can do something for you. Maybe, how about if we, can we pay the shipping on the next order? You know what, we'll give you a full credit on the next order. Whatever it is, we start at the bottom, we work our way up. You know why? Because it's not worth it. Now, we could choose to fight. We're right, I'm not going to. You know the old saying? The squeeze ain't worth the juice. You ever hear that saying? It's an old saying. You ever go to a restaurant where they don't pay attention? Where they, they, hey, could I have some water with lemon? They put the lemon on it, and you're like, nothing's coming out. Squeeze wasn't worth the juice. Same thing. Fool's wrath is heavier than a rock and, and wet sand. Just not worth it. Wrath is cruel and anger a torrent. But who is able to stand before jealousy? Anger, wrath, somebody who loses their temper. Anger is somebody who gets mad at something. Those people, oh, who, who will get even with you, who will get mad at the second. Those people are terrible people. But a jealous person? Stay away from that person. <laughs> I don't want to be a, a, a rat. A dry, we used to call this in the street dry ratting. But when you meet a, a, a sister and she tells me how, you know, my boyfriend, he's crazy jealous. Everywhere I go, he's this, that, and the other thing. And I go, and what? It's because he's cheating on you, stupid. What are you talking about? Jealous guys, that's not just insecurity, that's paranoia. Because when somebody is cheating on you, they always think you're cheating on them. Oh, that's not true because... Okay. Or, it's brokenness. If you had parents that cheated on each other and you realized what that did to them, So much going on in here. That's why the Proverbs are so important to know and to learn, man. Wrath is cruel and anger a torrent, but who is able to stand before jealousy? Verse 5, one of my favorite verses of the whole Bible. Open rebuke is better than love carefully concealed. Open rebuke is better than love carefully concealed. When it's time to talk to somebody about their kids, me and my wife and Austin and Elena, Arlie and Drew, all the people that are a part of the leadership, the oversight of the children's ministry, we go, well, we're probably going to lose this couple. Why? Because we're going to have to talk to them about their kids. And people don't calculate in their brain, wow, this person is coming to me to tell me, we don't have to. We certainly don't want to. When you have somebody <laughs> there's people that have been going to this church for 12 and 15 years that you guys never met. Because they come to church, they're here for a year, God starts to do an amazing thing in their life, they get a really good job, they get into a new relationship, and then they leave for a couple years. And then it all falls apart. And then they come back. And then it starts all over again. And when you will say, you know, I'm seeing a pattern here that I got to tell you about. <gasps> what? what are you? I can't believe you would say that to me. 
because they don't figure in their head. Now, how do we apply that to our life? Listen, if somebody is willing to put their... Nobody wants to be disliked. Everybody wants to be liked. I want to be liked. I want people to like me. Just not enough to have God be mad at me. If somebody's willing to tell you the truth, they're not liking you. They're loving you. Open rebuke is better than love carefully concealed. If you think Marty is the swellest guy in the world, if you think when he, you come to church, man, he's such a nice guy. He hugs everybody. Man, Marty, I just love that guy. Have you told him? Or do you keep it to yourself? Or perhaps maybe one time you walked into church and Marty didn't say hello to you. And he gave you the MC Hammer look. We call him, we, we call him MC Hammer because his name is Marty Christ. MC, Marty Christ. But we also call him the Hammer. And he was rude to you. Do you tell him how much you love him by telling him how rude he was to you? Giving him a chance to make it good? Or do you just tell others behind the back, what a swell, I love that guy. Marty's a swell guy. Because open rebuke is better than love carefully concealed. You see how it works, guys? Am I beating this one too far because you guys got this the first time? Got it. Lots of yawns happening tonight. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. Faithful are the wounds. This is a, 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 a it's almost like a, um, a continuation of verse 5. The wounds of a friend are faithful. The kisses of an enemy are deceitful. Not all people are telling you how wonderful you are and how much they love you and how great you are. And, oh man, you did so. Not all those people are your friend. You know, um, there's a kind of a crazy thing that happens with the Bible, especially in the book of Proverbs, that you have to understand that the Bible cuts through the crap of this world. It's not all just smiles and walk through life. There's a lot of things here that some would even call devious. The Lord Jesus said this, I want you to be wise as a serpent and gentle as a dove. And the best way to be wise as a serpent and gentle as, as a dove is to be a person of the Proverbs. We've sat in the office with a couple many times, and we find out that one is gone outside the marriage, but they're not telling anybody. And I tell that person how to catch them. I said, here's what I want you to do. And I give them this little bit of wisdom that I've gained from walking around in people's ugly sides. And when they find out, man, that was so devious. How do you... You can't be wise as a serpent and gentle as a dove. If you think that to be a Christian is to just smile and walk through life, you know, walking into knives and blades and rocks and stones, it's not. The Lord Jesus was pretty smart. Continuing. Oh, I love this verse. A satisfied soul loathes the honeycomb but to a hungry soul, every bitter thing is sweet. It's Pastor Gang Graves that I heard teach on this for the first time. 
Let me paraphrase it for you. Bad love is better than no love at all. A satisfied soul loathes the honeycomb, but to a hungry soul, every bitter thing is sweet. Why in the world is that dude with that girl? You know she's just a gold digger. You know she's just taking him for a ride. You know... Bad love, bad love, no love at all. Worst thing I've ever seen happen to a man or a woman is loneliness. Loneliness brings the worst in people out. Now, some of us fast on Wednesday nights. Some of us do two and three day fast sometimes. And let me tell you something. No matter what it is, no matter how extended the fast is, when Joey, when you're cutting weight, first meal after a weight cut, right? Man, that was good. Oh, that was good. It was a McDonald's hamburger. It's good McDonald's. I mean, that, that McDonald's makes a burger. You know why? Because to a hungry soul, every bitter thing is sweet. You want to do something crazy? Next time you do any kind of fast, get a, a Ritz crack. You know the little wrapping things of Ritz crackers? Eat the whole thing. It'll be the best Ritz crackers you ever had. Salt after a fast is like, oh my goodness, this is the greatest thing in the world. Honey, this is the greatest meal ever. Thank you. It's Ritz crackers and peanut butter. Now apply that from the spiritual perspective. Why is the Catholic Church so filled? Why are there a billion Catholics in the world and they're giving out drops of the Lord? Driplets, droplets. Why is there over a billion Muslims? Why are these? Because they, they, they don't know. They can't, have not yet tasted and seen that the Lord is good. There's a, there's a, a residue of the Lord. There's a, a, a hint of God. And to a hungry soul, Every bitter thing is sweet. You see this? Such a good verse. Such a, why am I? You, you got to ask yourself, the application from a self perspective is, why am I falling for this? Because you're starving. I believe in, the, in, in, in relationships, we call it the rebound. How did I find myself with this girl? Why am I with this guy? I told you, man. Give yourself a few months, man. You're out of divorce. Make it a year. Make it a year. The last thing you want to do is go with somebody else just because you're lonely. Yeah, but I have needs. Oh. I hope you like divorce then. Ointment and perfume delight the heart, and the sweetness of a man's friend gives delight by hearty counsel. I love that verse. I love the way he does, sometimes he does this little visual. He, ointment and perfume. If you have a, um, a, some kind of hand lotion or olive oil thing and you're running, oh man, that's, oh, that's good. I like that. That's good. He says the same way the oil factory is delighted by a sweet smell of ointment and perfume, when you give somebody good counsel that helps them, it's like that to their soul. Me and Marty were talking just the other day about, hey man, I had a business situation. I'm like, stop the presses. Go through the same thing all the time. And I told him about it and he goes, yeah, that's what I was thinking. I just want to confirm it with you. Yeah, 
Party council, that is. Party council. Yeah, I've been through that before. Let me, let me, let me, let me run what happened with me. You guys with me? Hmm, when you get good counsel, man, it's the best. Like a bird. Did I skip eight? Yeah. I did. And nobody said nothing to me. Where are you guys? <laughs> Sleeping. Like a bird that wanders from its nest is a man who wanders from his place. And that's why we skipped it, because <laughs> it's obvious. Like a bird that wanders from its nest is a man who wanders from his place. You know what I love? When, the, 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 what conjures up, and you guys can do this, if, if, especially during this study. If you were at the beginning of our, our, our Proverbs studies, we, we met in a circle and we, we talked about it. Just It was going too long. But if there's a verse that pops into your head from the New Testament, especially if it's from the Lord, that comes in your head as I'm reading a proverb, don't be afraid. You know that verse reminds me of, like this verse, it reminds me of when the Lord said, Anybody? They're like sheep without a shepherd. Reminds me of that verse. Like sheep. Why, 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 do you, why do you love these people so much? Because these people need me. They're like sheep without a shepherd. Terrible thing happened last night. I'm, I'm, so, I'm so sad today. I can't tell you right now. Sorry. I'll tell you later. Verse 10. I'm sorry. Ask me later. I have to tell somebody else first before I tell you all. Do not forsake your own friend or your father's friend, nor go to your brother's house in the day of your calamity. Better is a neighbor nearby than a brother far away. Good reason to be friends with your neighbor. Don't be one of those people that buys a house and doesn't get to know your neighbor. You know why? You're going to need that guy. Now, you also got to remember, seldom set foot in your neighbor's house, lest he grow weary of you and hate you. But it's always good to be friendly, like Austin and Drew. They share birthdays with their neighbors. Like, who, who is that? Oh, that's my neighbor. Oh, that's John. His grandmother just got out of the hospital. They're up in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Christmas gift. They share Christmas gifts with their neighbor. You met the guy three months ago. He's a great guy. Which one? Oh. He sold his house three and a half years ago. He still brings them Christmas gifts to the people that bought his house. I'm driving, I'm driving my truck the other day, and I have to make a U-turn, but the road's too narrow. So I back up into the driveway, and my daughter says to me, John's not going to like that. <laughs> I'm like, what are you talking about? He goes, I got to like people pulling up in his driveway. I'm like, honey, what are you talking about? Austin says he doesn't like people driving his <laughs> The guy with the tin roof? Yeah. What's his name? Isn't it John? <laughs> Do not forsake your own friend or your father's friend, 
nor go to your brother's house in the day of your calamity, for better is a neighbor nearby than a brother far away. I, there's an old saying, and I, I really like it, and you could apply it to this verse same way. Um, what do you do when seconds count and the cops are a minute away? Think about that. My son, be wise and make my heart glad that I may answer him who reproaches me. Now, that's an open-ended, because if you look through the book of Proverbs, the word my son, those two phrases together, in the book of Proverbs alone, they probably occur 20, 25 times, maybe more. My son, be wise. My son, control your heart. My son. So this here is a trigger for a great Bible study you can do on your own. Look up all of the my sons in the book of Proverbs, and then you know, my son, be wise, and make my heart glad that I may answer him who reproaches me. Well, you know what? You're a snur, 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 snur. That's okay, because my son is very wise. A prudent man foresees evil and hides himself. The simple pass on and are punished. A prudent man foresees evil and hides himself. The simple pass on and are punished. Boy, is this an applicable verse. Hey, um, why are you doing that? That is not going to end well for you. What are you talking about? I lend my car out all the time. He doesn't have a driver's license. It'll go fine. A wise man foresees evil and gets out the way where the fool passes by and is punished. Easy to understand. Take the garment of him who is surety for a stranger and hold it in a pledge when he is surety for a seductress. Now the application of this is really Old Testament. So what happens is somebody will come to you and they will ask you to lend, to borrow. Can, can I borrow some money from you? What do you need money for? Well, a buddy of mine is taking his girlfriend out and he needs money. So I told him, I'd, do you know what? Better yet, I'll lend you the money, but give me your jacket as collateral, please. So the short of this is make sure you get collateral. If you're lending somebody money for something, that ain't going to work out so good. Because chances are, you're just going to become a pawn shop. You got it? What do you mean? Stupidity? Okay, well, the Lord Jesus put it this way. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to give, hoping never to get anything back in return. But, have you ever seen the movie A Bronx Tale? Great lesson in that. You lend somebody money, and if they don't pay it back, you got away cheap because that person is now out of your life for good. Hey, I, that guy owes me 50 bucks. He got away cheap. He got away cheap. It only cost you 50 bucks to find out he wasn't as good a friend as you thought. Yeah, you know, I, I'm going to be honest with you. I've never been able to wrap my head fully around, um, around verse 13 of, of the book. I, I just, 
It's, it's, so, it's so Old Testament. Johnny, stop talking in church. He who blesses his friend with a loud voice rising early in the morning, it will be counted a curse to him. Guys, I want you to look at me. Guess what I am? I want you guys to look at my wife. Guess what she's not? It only took me 24 and a half years to figure out that a loud voice was not a blessing to her. Let her wake up at her pace, nice and slowly. When she's ready, then, hello! A loud voice. Rising early in the morning, it will be counted a curse to him. Now, again, brokenness, I don't know if that's biological. I don't know if that's experiential. I don't know what it is that makes some people morning people, some people not morning people. I don't know if it's allergies or, or personality type. Who keeps talking? What am I missing? What do you mean they're cursed? No, no, no. I said that you're cursing them by greeting them with a loud voice in the early morning. They're not cursed. I don't know. Sometimes I wouldn't mind being able to sleep. Like, being a morning person, I don't know. Let me just do a, a little scientific study for a second, a little research. Because I'm a morning person, when the sun comes up, I have to get up. If I go to bed at 4 o'clock in the morning, I'm getting up at 6.30 in the morning. If I go to bed at 8 o'clock in the morning, I'm getting up at 6 o'clock in the morning. There's no, like, I have to, I, my, my brain is so fixed. Like, if I travel to a different time zone, it takes me a week to get used to it. When I went to Brazil and it was two hours different, by the time I got back, I was just used to it. And then it took me a month to get used to the time change. I know people, I'm telling you, I've traveled with guys, and they stay up the whole night, the next day, go to sleep, and they're good. I've seen them do it. Is that, is that a morning, uh, morning people here, is that, is that, are you the same way? It's like, it doesn't matter, you're getting up, don't matter what time you go to bed, you're getting up at the same time. Is that a morning person thing? No. No, so... Okay, but, but, but would your ex consider you a morning person? I don't think that makes you a morning person. <laughs> Could be wrong, though. You'll gouge my eyes out. A continual rip. <laughs> this is good. This leads right into verse 15. A continual dripping on a very rainy day and a contentious woman are alike. Whoever restrains her restrains the wind and grasps soil with his right hand. Let me figure out how to explain this to you without getting in a lot of trouble. <laughs> let me make it serious for a second, okay? And let me make the application sincere. Listen, guys. Some women like to say things multiple times. 
They like to explain themselves. They like to tell you the story over and over and over again. It doesn't matter how many times they've told it to you. They know they've told it to you. They're going to tell it to you again. And if you keep telling them, you already heard, you already heard the story, the story. What's the matter? Stop trying to grab oil. Stop trying to hold it back. Let him go, man. Use the oil as a nice lubricant on your arms. You, you try to stop a woman from, you try to stop a man from doing something that their personality or their brokenness, man, you're just, you're just grabbing oil. Let them be who they are and let God change them. One thing me and my wife have learned very, 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 very hard way. We can know and identify what each other's brokenness is, but it's only God that's going to change it. There's, there's two things that are for certain. Number one, I'm not going to change that woman. And number two, she ain't going to change me. You guys feel that? The application is not just man to woman. This is woman to man, man to woman here. A continual dripping on a very rainy day and a contentious man are alike. Whoever restrains him restrains the wind and grasps soil with his right hand. Same application. I love verse uh, 17, obviously, as, a, as, a, um, as iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. Iron sharpening iron. The only way that you could sharpen a knife is with a harder stone, something stronger than that. You sharpen that knife. Now, we apply this from a perspective of somebody who trains combat sports. I remember in my life five training partners that I've had. In, 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 in over 15 years of doing jiu-jitsu now, I can tell you five training partners that absolutely savaged me. They were brutal. They were hard. They were they, smashing and, and grinding. They, they just... I went home with, with bruises on my arms and scratches on my neck and black eyes. I love those guys. I remember them. There's a guy named Ryan Markish. Me and him trained together. We were both purple belts. I got my brown belt when he got his purple belt. Man, we just, we beat each other every single time. We're just, just pounding. And sometimes he'd get me, sometimes he would stand up. He was a wrestler and on the ground. Iron sharpening iron. Now, this doesn't work so good in, in marriages, though. Because what happens when you sharpen a blade with a stone? Anybody? Sparks fly. Sometimes it's best to let God do the sharpening. Because, as Ken Graves said, the Lord Jesus is silk and steel. Let him be steel when you're steel, let him be silk when you're silk. If your husband needs steel, give him silk and let God give him the steel. Right? It's a pretty cool application there. As iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. Whoever keeps the fig tree will eat its fruit, so he who waits on his master will be honored. What's the key word for verse 18, guys? Patience. 
my daughter, Elena, yesterday planted how many trees? 40? She put 40 trees in the ground by herself yesterday. And that was only about one quarter of what she has on her property. If you knew what Austin and Elena have done with their property, in one area, did you help her yesterday? Were you putting those trees in the ground with her? No? No. Okay, just because the way you looked, it's like, well, she didn't do it herself. <laughs> just, just making sure I give credit where credit's due there. Oh, you were saying it. Oh, I'm going to tell, I'll wait till I tell Elena that in church you embarrassed her. I'm going to tell. I'm just teasing. I know she had a lot of What? I'm sorry, I'll give him credit. What's his name? Emmanuel helped. Everybody who knows Emmanuel, Emmanuel helped Elena. Sorry. My wife's really into justice. Don't, don't. One area. They're growing this kind of pumpkin that grows in Florida in hard ground. Another area, there's beans. Another area, there's all the different herbs that are grown. It's amazing. Me and, me and Cammie, we have our own garden. And we've got a, we got a personal philosophy right now. We think it's cheating if you, if, you gr- if you don't start from a seed. So me and Cammie, we have a big box of seeds. And we're, Cammie, what do you want to grow? So we get these little, these little um, bowls of... Um, they're like little bags of uh, peat moss. And you stick the seed in there, and then you water it, and then you put the top on it, and you wait till you set to see it come up. And then, then when it has two leaves, you're almost ready. Three leaves, okay, now you can take it out and replant it. And... A lot of work, a lot of patience. You know why? He who keeps the fig tree will eat its fruit. So he who waits on his master will be honored. Who's your master? Hello? Wait, I say. Wait on the Lord. He who waits on the Lord will renew their strength. They will walk and not grow weary. They will run and not grow faint. He will restore your soul. All things work together for the good to them that love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. It's early enough, and we're almost done with this chapter. You guys ever heard that story I told about the dog? This guy had a dog, and he was walking his dog, and it got hit by a car. Oh, that's terrible. No, not really, because when he took it to the vet, they found out it had cancer. Oh, that's terrible. No, not really, because if he wouldn't have got hit by the car, he wouldn't have found out it had cancer, and the cancer was curable. And the way they found it out is because he got hit by the car and took it to the vet. Well, that's nice. No, not really. Why? Because he had a broken leg also, and they had to repair it. Well, that's terrible. Not really, because when they repaired it, the dog couldn't walk straight at first, but then he could walk straight. Well, that's wonderful. Not really, because now he walks with a limp. Well, that's terrible. Not really. We can go on and on and on and on, but guess what? That's the life of a Christian. But here's the promise that you have from God. It's always going to work out better in the end. Whatever God takes, he always gives back better. Whatever downside you have, remember, he's the God of the valley and the mountain. And you won't stay in the valley long. You guys see that? He who waits on his master will be honored. As in water, face reflects face, so 
A man's heart reveals the man. It's an interesting verse, and that's like a, a two-hour Bible study right there, which we're not going to get into. But he says, hey, you notice how when you look over and you see your reflection in a pond or in a, in a, in a puddle or anything? He said, the same way, when you look at a man's heart, that's what the man's really about. Yeah, but how do you get to know somebody's heart? Oh, like I said, that's a two-hour Bible study. It's a two-hour, and the Bible has so much to say about the heart of a man. Hell and destruction are never full, so the eyes of man are never satisfied. That word for man there is not just masculine. It's masculine and feminine. It's kind of a crazy thing. Women call it shopping. Men call it lusting. Now, I know there's both on both sides, but you have to understand that as a, as a human being, your eyes are never satisfied. There's no, it's, it's like fire never says enough. Water never says enough. Your eyes are never, it's, it's so crazy no matter what you have you can get a brand new truck and you're driving down the road and you see somebody oh man you just got a new truck but look at that truck or women use that four letter word when they're shopping that you know you're in trouble that's so cute it's cute no it's not cute it's cute that dress is so cute it's not cute here eyes are never satisfied. Now, for your own um, application, um, I, risk, I risk much, but I, I, it's worth, you guys are worth it. Um, don't condemn yourself, guys, because you have a, an, a, what they call in the street an eye for the ladies. Fight the best you can, but the only time that's ever going to stop is when you're dead. Fight it. Don't, don't be an oogler. If you want to see how stupid you look, when me and my wife fly, it's so, I don't know what it is about the airport that women think they can dress like prostitutes, but, but they do. But if you look at the men looking at the women and think to yourself, do I look that stupid? <laughs> yes, you do. It'll make you stop looking at them like that. Now, the application for women is, is different, and the reason it's different is because men never want to think that their women look at another guy. And I'm watching a TV show, and some dude comes on, and he's like all buff and all that. I'm like, <laughs> not a word. <laughs> but I do remember being a young Christian and, and, and condemning myself constantly. Why can't I stop? I, I so wanted to be holy before God, and, and I, I was sure that was the thing that was holding me back from God. I just, I, I can't stop. I just, oh, driving down the street, and some girl's walking a dog, and oh, I, I love dogs. Yeah, you love dogs, right? <laughs> now, I think Ken Graves said this. He said, he said there's, a, there's an old New York Jewish lawyer in all of us, and it tends to argue us in every troubling situation we can find ourselves in. And um, some of you guys know that. But also the application is this. Ladies, if you catch a guy looking at another girl, it's a hard wire, man. It's a tough thing. Obviously, if he's ogling, that you're going to have to deal with. But have a little grace because... 
as hell and destruction are never full, so the eyes of man are never satisfied. It doesn't matter. No matter how good you look, it don't matter. It's just, it's this stinking rotten flesh, man. So I risk much on that, and I, I hope. The refining pot is for silver, and the furnace for gold, and a man is valued by what others say of him. So the, the implication here, the, the application here is, if you take um, gold and silver and you heat it up so that it boils and you take out all the impurities so it's pure, it's 24 karat gold, that's the same way we live amongst the world. You're going to get trials, you're going to get temptations, you're going to get all these things in the world and in, in and through that, what other people say about you, that's the, um, that's the trick in our life, guys. You know how selfless, you know how giving, you know how merciful and kind you have to be for this world to say good things about you? Because Christians, they're going to they're gonna hate you anyway. But when they have nothing bad to say about you, the refining pot is for silver and the furnace for gold, but a man is valued by what others say about him. Interesting, interesting. And um, verse 22, verse 23 through 27 is the last verse. The last verses, it's, it's one thought, but look at verse 22. Though you grind a fool in a mortar with a pestle along with crushed grain, yet his foolishness will not depart from him. Let me give you the picture here. You have a bowl, and it's a thick ceramic bowl. And then you have some um, garlic. And you pull the garlic and you put it in there. Maybe you put a little cilantro, you put a little... You, 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 and then you take this thing called a mortar. Uh, I'm sorry, a pestle. It's like a, a spoon that has a ball at the end of it. And you and you mash it all together, and you mix it together. He said, you could do that to a fool. Guess what? Still a fool. You can mash a fool from now till forever. How do you apply this? Let me tell you how I apply it even today. A friend of mine comes up to me today, and he says, bro, I think my son's smoking pot. I said, man. So why don't we sit down and talk with him? He goes, I got a better idea. Why don't we beat the crap out of him? I said, yeah, we can do that, but though you grind a fool with a mortar along with crushed grain, his foolishness is not going to depart from him. So beating your kid, beating your 12, 13, 14, I mean, once they get to 13, 14, 15, man, you got no shot. You're not going to grind it out of them, guys. You can love them through it. You can show them a better way. You can try and talk. And the one thing that I did to my kids that they hated for so many years is I would never stop talking to them. I didn't care if we were there for an hour, two hours, three. I kept talking and talking and talking. And they were, oh, I want to go to sleep. No, we're not. We're going we're gonna to talk this thing out. Though you grind a fool, parent, wives, though you grind that fool in a mortar with a pestle along with some crushed grain, you ain't changing him. You can try all you want. You ain't going to change him. As a matter of fact, you might make him worse. So
such a funny verse, but oh my goodness, the applications to that verse are so important from a, every relationship perspective that you could possibly have. If you're a boss here and you have employees, if you're an overseer of people, please apply this. Man, you know, I own a business. We have 30 employees. You know my philosophy is? Treat them better than I treat anybody else. I am nicer. I want to be more polite and kinder. I never want to find my, oh, I'm the boss of this company. You'll do what I say. I'm the boss of this company, so I'm going to be super, super kind to you. And this was a hard, hard lesson to learn, guys. What made the Lord Jesus special was he got the best out of the people that he had. He didn't choose the best. The, the 12 apostles were not the best choice, believe it. But he got the best out of those people, didn't he? That's our job. To get the best out of the people that are in our lives, not to make them what we want them to be. And lastly, and man, again, the applications to these verses are deep and, deep and wide. Be diligent to know the state of your flocks. And attend to your herds, for riches are not forever, nor does a crown endure to all generations. When the hay is removed and the tender grass shows itself, the herbs of the mountains are gathered in. The lambs will provide your clothing, the goats the price of a field. You shall have enough goats, excuse me, goat's milk for your food, for the food for your household and nourishment of your maidservants. Listen. Ministry, application. This verse scares every single person that's ever gotten a job that's gone into ministry. Any person that's ever had money, any person that's ever owned a business, that you read this verse and you're like, be careful. Riches do not endure forever. And you might have to go back to work someday. And there's a really interesting application. You see, so when the hay is removed and the tender grass shows itself, when they grow grass, guys, they have this big open field, they run the tracks, they throw the seeds in it, and then they throw hay over it. And they water the hay, and they water the hay, and they water the hay. And at some point in time, somebody's got to say, hey, I want you to, hey, <laughs> I want you to get that hay out of there. And they start raking up the hay, and then you'll see all that fresh growth under there. And I want you to think about the spiritual application. I want you to think about the, the mental application there. The ground might be hard. It might be dusty and sandy. There might be a layer of dried hay over it that you don't even know. But when, that, when, when, that, when the death is pulled away from it, when the rotten, wet, nasty hay is pulled away, there's going to be fresh growth under there. And that's why you're going through the things that you're going through. That's why God is, is doing this, this work in your life. And he's going to cut his furrows down your field. He's going to let drought and famine be a part of your life. He's going to, but don't worry. Don't worry. You'll have enough goat's milk for your food. You'll have enough. I love what David wrote. Um, 
I was young in, ver in, in chapter this morning in my, in, my, in my devotion. It was chapter 37 of, of the book of Psalms. It said, I was young and now I'm old. And I've never seen the righteous forsaken. I've never seen his descendants begging bread. God's going to take care of you. As he takes care of the birds of the air, as he takes care of the animals. Consider the lilies of the field. They neither toil nor spin. But yet I tell you that even Solomon, in all his glory, was not dressed like them. If he clothes the, 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 the grass, which today is and tomorrow it's thrown in the furnace. If he feeds the birds, which today are and the next day they're dead. How much more is he going to take care of you or you have little faith? Again, and lastly, be diligent to know the state of your flocks and attend to your herds. Yes, you have a responsibility. You've been given things. Make sure you're watching out for them. Don't lose everything because you're foolish. But if you lose everything and you've not been foolish, it's okay. It's okay. Riches are not forever. And a crown doesn't endure to all generations. Just because your father was rich doesn't mean you're going to rich. be rich. Just because you're rich doesn't mean your kids are going to be rich. When the hay is removed and the tender grass shows itself, the herbs of the mountains are gathered in. The lambs will provide your clothing. The goats the price of a field. You shall have enough goat's milk for your food, for the food for your household, and for the nourishment of your maidservants. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for your word, the wisdom and the strength and the hope and the truth of your word. Thank you so much, God, that um, our brokenness meets with your wisdom, and there we find our healing. We lay our brokenness down. Some of us that are so <laughs> broken, I thank you so much that you are the God who accepts broken things. Think about that song. You take broken things and you make us new. You're doing something special in our lives, God. Thank you. We give you our brokenness. We don't hide it from you anymore, God. We give it to you. Please make us whole. We love you and we thank you for this incredible word you've given us. In the name of Christ Jesus, our Lord, we pray these things. Amen.